I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hello, Owl Pellets, and welcome back for another exciting conversation we are having in this year's or this season's series around mentoring. Um, Becky is leading us through a conversation around. The, she always Stop gives me this look. <laughs> we are having a conversation around mentoring. Okay, Becky was in charge, and she's doing us. a great job of leading us through that process. She's doing a great yes. job of leading us through this conversation. She might have assumed she might have accused a few of us of not reading the entire report, but we all did do our homework. I think we have you recorded saying you read two thirds. <laughs> Can neither confirm nor deny the allegation. And I the rest. Yeah. <laughs> that was in an earlier deposition. It's yeah. right. Yeah, it's right. They skipped listening to that one. They, you're, yeah, you're no, good. no one's paying attention anyway. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to whoever's listening right now. You're paying attention. Thank you. <laughs> so why don't you give us a recap about what we have talked about so far about mentoring and what today's conversation is going to be on. So we have talked about the definition of mentoring, which Mike and Brian are very grateful. I'm not going to read again. Um, Last time we talked about career support, especially in terms of career guidance, skill development. We spent a, some time on sponsorship, really thinking about, you know, how do we do this? How do we do this well? Like, what does this mentoring thing really look like? How do we operationalize this? Um, and we've spent a lot of time talking about that mentoring relationship and especially that mutual responsiveness, that relational partners piece. Um, but we want to spend some time, I think, today digging in on how the report committee kind of helps us think about this and helps us visualize what this actually looks like. And they talk about it in terms of a co-pilot relationship, which was helpful for me because when we talk about all these things, I think it can, it can really feel in that relationship that how do I navigate this space of authenticity and vulnerability and professionalism and career and, and all this stuff um, and still, you know, maintain a professional relationship with a mentor or mentee. Um, so I think having this co-pilot image hopefully helps with how do I actually start to build that relationship and what am I thinking about between these two parties in the cockpit? Yeah, for sure. I really like that analogy, you know, thinking about uh, being in a cockpit, the mentor, mentee, and and uh, together they're working and, and communicating and deciding on a, on a flight plan and when they're going to reach agreed upon destination and kind of working through that entire process kind of collaboratively and together and, and uh, the importance of a lot of different traits that go along with that. Well, it seems again, milking this analogy a little bit more, but by having a co-pilot there and knowing that the other person's there, even when you're the one in charge of flying the plane, you know that the other person's there watching to provide support if something goes bad or is also there to answer a question or, or and you're in this thing together, you're traveling down the road together with a, with a co-pilot. It's not like I'm giving you advice and saying, okay, I'm not in the, in the tower and you're in the plane. We're sitting side by side, living the, living this thing together, walking through this journey rather than me just saying, Hey, I'm watching you have a great flight. Mm-hmm. And there, and it's a really cool relationship because you know, you're there to help the junior pilot. You can share knowledge and skills. Um, and the ultimate goal is to, help develop that junior pilot into into uh, a more independent 
pilot that can actually take and fly the plane or, or be in control um, by themselves. And subsequently mentor someone else. Yeah. Yeah, that whole idea you mentioned, you know, uh, knowledge and skills as we go through there, helping to find out where to grow next. Because I think we talk about as you as you work through your career, you're, you're having to, to grow in new ways. And goodness, there are so many things that you could be doing. And I mean, even as, as a teacher or whatever else, what professional development you go to or what kind of areas you should be focusing on, having somebody there to kind of coach you and mentor you through there. Like, here's here's some areas I see you being very strong in. Here's some things maybe you should really be focusing on. And even on the technical skill side, we know that when we ask ag teachers to fill out needs assessments for professional development, they mark, they want more workshops on the things that they are the strongest in mm-hmm. because they want to be, they want to talk about And we all do that. If I feel strongest in animal science, I want more workshops on animal science because I enjoy those. But if we have a strong mentoring relationship, that mentor will look at us and say, you know, not that you know everything about animal science, but you need to go learn a little bit about plant science or you need a little bit about small engines or, or whatever else it might be that might not be our strong point. It would may be a little bit more of a challenge for us, but that area we need to grow in. One of the things that really struck me just looking at the illustration, their first point is it builds trust over time. You know, you don't just sit down and like, all right, we've got this and everything just jives and we're all set to go. It's it's something that over time you learn each other's communication things and what's happening and the the thing that immediately came to mind was the industrial tech teacher I taught with when I was was an ag teacher and in talking with him now he would say I didn't realize I was your mentor like it it wasn't like I wouldn't have called myself your mentor we were colleagues we were coworkers. but the very first time I met him we were at our our junior high high school faculty retreat and he just sat down next to me and said, all right, we're going to be working together. We need to know a lot about each other. And <laughs> he pulled out his phone and he said, this is my kid and this is my other kid. And this is my, like, you know, we just kind of went through his family and his, and his career. And he said, okay, your turn. <laughs> but when I think about, you know, where that relationship started, it wasn't, what are you strong in? What are you weak in? Like, what am mm-hmm. I well, like? And, and he was a 20 year veteran. Like, it wasn't, what am I going to have to help you with? It was, who are you? What are you about? Like, if we didn't have kids at the time, like just, it, it was all, it was a totally different, different thing, but because it started with, Hey, we're gonna have to get to know each other to work together. I think that is a big piece of this co-pilot relationship where mentoring is really set up to evolve. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that, you know, we look at these, these steps that they've laid out in the report and we go, okay, we can look at it and say, all right, I need to do this. I need to do, well, I'm not just going to build this over time. Like Step yeah. one is built over time. I'm not just going to sit down and be like, all right, it, it, I built it. Right. <laughs> it's really sitting down and getting ready for the rest of those things to come by being invested in somebody else. Yeah. And I, and I think to that point and, and, you know, it being organic, it wasn't an, a principal or a superintendent or someone come up and saying, okay, so-and-so is your mentor. And you got this formal license to to for that role. It's it's more organic, more authentic in a lot of cases. Um, and, you, and you don't have to wait to be told mm-hmm. you're going to be a mentor, you're the mentee, and this person's going to do it. Start building those relationships and building that trust over over time. 
and that's why I think we go back. I, I'm thinking more and more in some earlier podcasts, we talked about the difference between mentoring and coaching. And, and again, maybe these aren't the right terms, but I'm almost beginning to think like, okay, we can, you can, I can be assigned a coach because, you know, when I was playing sports, I didn't pick my coach. I mean, the coach came in and was picked for me. And because of that person knew the sport, knew how to coach so on and so forth and did, and did a fine job. But to be that mentor, there has to be some more of that organic piece you're talking about. And I don't know if now's the time we're talking about it or not, but it's like, for me, like, how do you, how do you, how do you find that person? You don't find them. They find you. What? <laughs> I mean, but yeah, but, exactly. But how do you, how do you, um, how do you be, make sure you're aware and looking around to, to, to build this relationship because I, I'm like you, Mike, I'm looking at some of the folks that I would consider some of my strongest mentor relationships that I have. And not a single one of them was assigned as an official program of any yeah. sort or whatever else, but it was something as freaky as it is a very similar conversation to when I, my first year started teaching with the industrial arts teacher, mm-hmm. we worked, we got to work two weeks before the school started one, my very first day, we got in a pickup truck and drove around. We had a very large geographic school district, and we went to, around to all seven communities that were in our school and spent, you know, basically two days together in a pickup truck. And that's how we learned about each other. Mm-hmm. But then other people in my roles now. So how do we, how do we coach people to be prepared to mentor? <laughs> well, I think it's also there. There are two sides of that. It's also being ready to mentee, like. The industrial tech teacher could have very easily said, okay, what are you really going to struggle with this year? And I pretty easily could have said, like, I'm assigned to teach small engines and welding. And small engines, I will I'll get by. I don't know what I'm, like, I don't know what I'm doing in welding. And that would have set up a very different, rela- like, mm-hmm. it, it would have set up a very different relationship on both. And, and we got to, we got to that stuff. But being able to also, as a mentee, be like, mm, I, I don't know. I am definitely going to need some help with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think there's there's both pieces. There's where am I looking to help and where am I making myself available to receive help? And sometimes it's even if I I may not know that I need help there and being it's like somebody offered what's it going to hurt to have them come help if even if you feel like you don't need like Oh shoot! Somebody took something off your plate. Dang it! Like, ah <laughs> oh, man, that was rough. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking back to your question a little bit, Brian, and and um, I think that might, unless we're thinking about a formal program at a school district level or a regional or state state teacher uh, mentoring program, which look and feel a little bit different and might might have some different objectives. Um, that's a tough one to answer. And I almost, I throw it out to the audience. And so as you're listening to this, share, share with us in, on social media where and how that might happen and what that looks like uh, for you. And, and maybe that'll generate some ideas and some thoughts for others. And, and, and the second point, I think when you were, you were talking a little bit about coaching and the difference between coaching and mentoring, I think it goes to the second point that they really made here. And it's both parties guide the relationship. And so it's not a one directional, one person is a, you know, there might, there may be a power structure there, but it's not intended to be 
that coaching where the coach is the authority and, and we're just going to help build that skill set or um, of the team or the individual players. But it's really having those conversations and that give and take between both the mentor and the mentee. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's the big the big piece. And just yeah, I, as I'm listening and thinking about this, the number of times that I'm I'm talking with veteran ag teachers that say, I've I always tell new teachers, I'm always <laughs> willing to share whatever I've got, just just give me a call and nobody ever calls. Mm-hmm. I, and and I believe they're genuine. They do they are willing to help, but I think to be that mentor, it's more than the one time standing up at the beginning teacher conference and say, if you ever have any questions about animal science or welding, give me a call. It's about being that proactive to say, to, to again, building that trust to allow that vulnerability because we've all seen it. Again, it's it's hard for somebody that's been hired as a first year ag teacher to say, well, I don't, I know this. I don't need any help. I'm, so, I'm supposed to be the ag teacher. It's okay to ask for help. And I think part of times it probably goes back to relationships, but not all the time we're sincere in saying, yes, we'll share things. But then when we get to it, it becomes conditional. Yeah. Well, I'd share it with you, but you're friends with this other person and I don't want them to get my materials. So um, let me give, let me think about it. And so, you know, they want to help, but at the same time, yeah, there's other noise that gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> I think there's yeah. also the piece of, it, it can be hard to ask somebody who's up on the stage. Yeah. Like we were talking before we started recording this, like back when I was an ag teacher listening to owl pellets, like back when Brian was scary. <laughs> <laughs> but but those are because there's because there's some authority, because there's some knowledge, because there's a there's a power differential. Even if we're both ag teachers, but you're the one up on stage, it can be it can be hard it's it's harder to approach, I think, the person who's up on stage saying anything you need. Then the person who's sitting in the chair next to me who says, hey, are you teaching this this fall? I have this and this. Is this something that you need? And so having that be really personal and specific in terms of that that offer, I think, is, is also a different, it, it's a different thing when we're thinking about both parties guiding the relationship and being, it goes back to that, we're both in it. Right. Compared to I'm in the tower telling you where to go or I'm, you know, that there, there's a difference there and what I have access to. Well, I think that's part of it too. As you as you go back and you look to those people that are on the stage, or the people that that are the 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 we'll call it the power brokers, or the ones that are very knowledgeable and very very successful. I think anybody should be comfortable going to talk to them and and building a relationship with them. But they also know when somebody's coming to them to get something from them, and when they when someone's coming to build a relationship with them. If you're going to that person that's very, very successful only to get their stuff and then to go away, that's a, that, that makes them feel very different than you're like, hey, let's, I want to have a relation. We're going to have a relationship where I learn from you and, and we're going to become friends with each other and have this, this mentor relationship where I'm learning over time and we're going to go through this, this you know, career and this professional success journey together. It's not just me about trying to latch onto you because I know you know important people can and, and can introduce me to good people. People can, you know, people can sniff that out. Most successful folks know if you're trying to build a relationship just to kind of make sure you're being seen at the right places, 
or if you're just really trying to have a relationship because you're like, man, I respect what you've done and I want to learn from you in all aspects rather than just steal your ideas and, and, and go, go run and hide. Cert, certain level of authenticity that comes with mm-hmm. that, that I think is important and kind of ties in with the, with the next point. Um, conditions will change. Mm-hmm. Turbulence may occur. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, and I, but I think that's a good analogy again, because uh, that's when you need that mentor. That's when you need that confidant to have those conversations and, and things change. And, you know, thinking about it from a pilot standpoint, that's when you have to lean on somebody that has more experience how do you get through this turbulence? And sometimes it's not even the, the senior pilot. Um, Becky talked a little bit about the control tower. So, you know, all of a sudden you have other support systems and support mechanisms that are around that you can lean on and point to and give you some guidance and direction during that, that turbulence. And uh, that that's part of any career in any situation you find yourself in. And so what's that role and how does the mentor and mentee uh, grow through that and how they provide that support and then lean on others as well to, to make that happen. Yeah. I, th- and I also think this is a great opportunity for, again, as, as this analogy goes, the junior pilot to kind of bring something to the table. Um, as you're, as you were describing that, I'm, I'm thinking of a time, I mean, we talk about turbulence coming. Um, we still, we still talk about the before times and COVID you know, and I can remember sitting here, I mean, I was a department chair at the time leading a, 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 a big department here at the University of Florida, and we're just trying to figure out, okay, is this, you know, I can still remember thinking, okay, we're going to be shut down for two weeks, and we're all going to be back, we're going, <laughs> ha, 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 it was fun. We're not actually going to get shut down. Yeah, it's going to be fine. <laughs> and then, you know, one week turned into two weeks, which turned into three weeks, which turned into three months, which, you know, and just kept going. And I remember having a conversation with somebody that I consider a ment that I'm in a mentoring relationship with. They're my mentor. And some of the things that we were trying to continue to, to maintain progress from a work standpoint, but also build, keeping relationship going. And, and that person just said, you know, that's a really great idea. They, this, they really reaffirmed things. And they were saying, like, I, I never would have thought to do that. And that's not to say that I have good ideas, that just I have good ideas, but the idea was that that's an opportunity that because turbulent times, and if you have a mentor that's strong enough to say and reaffirm you when you're trying new things, he said, that's a really good idea. Have you thought about maybe framing it around here and really building upon that what's going on? And he, he really helped me see how to take that things to the next level, but it, w- it really did seem like a partnership then rather than just me learning from him all mm-hmm. the time. And, and so it's that idea that turbulence and challenge is really an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not fun while you're in it, but you do look back and I mean, so many times in order to grow, we've had to have that turbulence, that, that change. Well, and I think it, it really struck me as you two were talking about it, that the turbulence is not like, it's not in the plane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think when I initially saw it, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, you're going to have turbulence in any relationship. That's, that's just something that happens. But they're really talking about like, what are those bumps that you're going to end up navigating together? And one of the first things is, as you were talking, that kind of came to mind were I, when we, when we got pregnant with my oldest daughter, I had two like senior, senior ag teachers Hmm. in our region come up to me and say, Becky, this is really going to change what you're able to do. Your program's going to have to really like shift and take a back seat and that's going to be okay. And coming from two people who'd who I 
really respected over the last three years, who had had families of their own, who had seen that shift in their pro- like kind of, it, it was very much that coming alongside and like mm-hmm. we've we know what this turbulence is <laughs> and we're and we're ready for it and we know that it's gonna be it's gonna be bumpy and like it smooths it out for somebody else to say, you know what? The turbulence is coming. It'll be bumpy for a little while. We'll put our seatbelts on. Like we, but, but I know what to, but I know what to do. I think is a little bit of where that comes along and just that it's gonna happen. I mean, how many flights have you been on where there's been no turbulence? (laughs) Right. None. Right. (laughs) And so, so I think it goes a little bit again to that mutual responsiveness. Like when you have somebody alongside you in the cockpit who anticipates that turbulence, it's a lot less bumpy. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a lot different when you're in your seat buckled in and there's turbulence compared to like when you're walking back from the bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's such a good analogy to go through there. Cause you know, you're, you're that turbulence is on the outside and you've got that co-pilot to show you that they're not panicking. Mm-hmm. And also if you're in that role to help them know that, yeah, other people have gone, gone through turbulence like this. Now it's not going to be the exact same turbulence. So you're going to have to deal with, the little nuances that is your own situation, but others have gone through something similar. And how do we, let's work through this, this kind of thing together. That's really good. I think the opportunity to even anticipate it. And so, uh, and I really appreciate that, that story of yours, Becky, with, with uh, the first child, because all of a sudden it, it takes some of the scariness out of it perhaps, but you can anticipate that, okay, I can't expect things to continue to be normal and, and, and it is going to change for a while. So um, it, it, we just got to be ready for it and, and being proactive and anticipating that versus reactive and um, puts us in a completely different mindset, I think, and where we can be much more successful. Well, it set me up so much better to not be like, watch this. Yeah. You know, like your program's <laughs> going to change and it'll be like, like it wasn't pandering to mm-hmm. yeah. my situation. It was very much like, this is just is what it this is what it is and it's okay. It's when you put on the superwoman t-shirt. Right, right? when you're yeah. like, "No, <laughs> my program is not going to change. Like I am going to do this. It's all going to be it it I mean, I won't pretend like there wasn't some of right. some of that, but I think coming from anybody else who I didn't have that relationship already with, it would have been a little bit like, let me show you. Yeah. <laughs> and I I would have I would have killed myself. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. trying to navigate all yep. of that. Well, that goes to the next point. Communication is essential. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's so many different ways we can unpack communication when we talk about it, but thinking about the role that that plays in, in that relationship and co-pilot, pilots, ag teachers, mentors, mentees, is, that whole idea of communication is, is very, very important. And, it, and it's two-directional. Again, we can't we can't rely on, and I know earlier in one of these sessions, and I, I said I was guilty of it, you are the mentor and come to me when you have questions and I'd be glad to help answer those. And, you know, that's not really mentoring. And, and, and so that communication does have to go both ways. And that anticipating the, the turbulence is a good example of that. Well, and, and that communication wraps, and there's so many things in there. Mm-hmm. It's not only the content of the communication, it's the frequency of the communication and it's the mode of the communication. You know, so how often are you talking and is it just an email back and forth or is it, are there phone calls involved? I mean, those little square things in our pockets, phones, they, they allow us to talk to people in addition to just text people. Mm-hmm. And so it's, and then, then 
I still think in this day and age where we could do that, there is value to seeing each other and being in the same space. We can do things through, you know, Zoom and Teams and those sort of things, but also there's value to, to being together in a space. And I think you have to have that in those relationships in some way, shape, or form to keep that 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 going because there's gonna, you're going to have conversations with somebody when you're looking at them face-to-face that you would not have with them via email or over the phone, I don't think. Well, you're going to have communication with people. When you're in the same room that you're not going to have otherwise, like I think about the the some of the most formative experiences in my in my relationships with mentors have not really involved any talking at all. Mm. They've mostly mm-hmm. involved just me sitting there crying. <laughs> 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 or you, but I mean, but in all seriousness, it's been something that's been really really difficult where they also knew well enough to know like. I just need to be here. That's right what now. you need. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Like, and, and that yep. communication wasn't, it wasn't words. It wasn't anything else, but just mm-hmm. being present, being present. And mm-hmm. I'm right there. Mm-hmm. And the final one, I know, I know we're going to be running on time here shortly, but I think it's important too, is the, a skill that improves with guidance and commitment. And, you know, the first part of that, we're talking about a skill here and it's not just something that happens. It's really a skill development if we're, and we can develop those skills for both uh, mentors and mentees. And so thinking about the role and it takes commitment, it takes guidance uh, in order for it to be effective. I think that gives me a lot of encouragement. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not just born a mentor or not. It's something that I can get better at. And I think, again, I can rely on that communication in that relationship, whether I'm the mentee or the mentor how do I keep getting better at this? But it also goes back to what Brian's been talking a lot about. Like I have to invest in that. (laughs) I have to invest in wanting to be better at that. It's not just going to happen one day that I'll wake up and be like, I'm the, I'm, I'm the best mentee. (laughs) (laughs) Well played. See sound effects work. Mm. (laughs) I feel like that was your, like my turn. No, No, it's just like one. It's like that's magical. Where just one day you're like all of a sudden a magical like, mentee. I made it. Yeah, I made it. Now this is a great conversation, and I really appreciate this because there's a, there's a lot of good stuff here, and I think you sum it up very well, Becky. There at the end, that the idea that mentoring is a skill is a hopeful thing mm-hmm. because it's skill. It's skill that means you can learn it, and that also means that just about anybody can, can learn it. Some people may. <laughs> May, some people are, may take a heart longer to do it than others, um, but um, it is something that can be learned. But also something that you got to you, you have to, to 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 figure out. I can't think of any skill that I've ever had that just kind of magically happened. I've either watched somebody do it or they taught me to do it. So the same thing here. So I hope you all are enjoying this conversation around mentoring as much as 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 we are. Um, and you're seeing ways that you uh, can mentor others around you, but also be a mentor as well. Uh, again, as Mike said earlier, please engage in the conversation via, via social media. Let us know your thoughts, what you've learned about mentoring, uh, what you see as, as positive, but also, also areas for growth from there. So we're going to keep this conversation going. Uh, hope you will too as you're out there not only mentoring your students, but also mentoring uh, your, your friends and colleagues uh, professionally 
and in your own communities as well. So thank you all for joining us again for Mike and Becky. This is Brian here by the Owl Pellet talking about mentoring, and we hope you all have a, have a great rest of your day. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.